Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Robert Duvall is one of my favorite actors of all time. You know, and I often like to ask people the question, especially cowboys, like, would you rather be Captain Call or Gus McCray? And most people say Gus, right? Most people say Gus. But it seems like every movie that I can remember Robert Duvall in, he's the coolest character in the movie. I, I don't know what it is about him, but just one of my favorite actors. You know, uh, obviously he played Gus in Tombstone. Um, Boss Spearman, Open Range. What did I say? I said Tombstone, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> Lonesome Dove. Tombstone's my favorite. He's probably, he should have been in that too. Uh, Boss Spearman in Open Range. Johnny Crawford in Seven Days in Utopia. And um, Red from A Night in Old Mexico. Dude's just cool, right? And finally, what has become one of my favorite characters ever was Hub McCann in Secondhand Lines. And I'd heard about that movie before, and, you know, it, I'd never seen it. I mean, I'd heard of it, and, you know, it's just one of those, you know, cool movies that you hear a lot of good things about, and it just kind of slips through the cracks. So uh, Thursday morning, me and, me and Jace, my son, were sitting in the living room, and I don't know why I thought of this. Just, I don't know why it came to me. So I looked on my TV, and I found it, and I started playing it. And man, I got into it, and even Jace, whenever it's done, he goes, Dad, I really like that movie. I said, yeah, I did too. I think one of my favorite parts is, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, um, Hub sleepwalks. And he's got like this nightgown on, and he goes out with a plunger in the middle of the night, like a sword. And if you've never used a plunger for a sword in the middle of the night, you're just not living, right? But one of the most famous parts of the movie is when he's standing out there in his nightgown talking to the young kid, his great nephew, and he gives him a speech. This is what he says. Sometimes the things that may or may not be true are the things that a man needs to believe in the most. That people are basically good. That honor, courage, and virtues mean everything. That power and money and money and power mean nothing. That good always triumphs over evil. And I want you to remember this, that love, true love, never dies. It doesn't matter if any of this is true or not. You see, a man should believe in these things because these things are worth believing in. And man, I love that. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And so, anyway, Hub gives this speech to some teenagers that he beats the crap out of in a restaurant. And it's a long speech. And so um, the young kid wants to hear the speech. And so he gives it and he goes, what's the rest of it? And he goes, you have to wait until you're a man for the rest of it. What do you think are things that are worth believing in? Because it, it really got me to thinking, you know, what? What, what do we actually believe in that, that may be true or not true? And, and I especially love the part about in, in his speech that honor, courage, and virtues mean everything. And I think especially in the world today, things like that, 
And they're hard to find. They're very hard to find. Not, not to mention this other stuff. What do you think are things worth believing in? I used this scripture a couple of weeks ago, and I, I don't know, it just got me to thinking. And it's in John 20, verse 29. And Jesus is talking to Thomas, the disciple. Then Jesus told him, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You know, and I think that's amazing because he doesn't say Thomas is blessed for believing because he saw him. He said, you believe because you put your fingers, you know, in, the, in my nail-scarred hands. That's how you believe. But blessed are those who believe without Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. What do you think are things worth believing in? Now, and I, I'm not going to, today, I am not going to state the obvious, you know, that we need to believe in God. Of course, that's why we're here, okay? You're probably not tuning in online or here today if you don't at least have some semblance of a belief in, in God and His Son and the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. But I listed three things, and this is probably all personal. But I think if we think about these things, I can't tell you really what to believe in apart from what Scripture says. So I'm not going to sit here and list a bunch of things that I think you should believe in. These are just things that I pondered and studied and got into the Word of things that I believe are worth believing in. Believe it or not, the first one I'm going to talk about is I believe in irrational belief. I believe in irrational belief. I mean, you think about irrational belief according to the world, just like Hub says, that people are basically good. Do, do we believe that? I mean, uh, maybe. <laughs> people are basically good, right? That's kind of an irrational belief in today's day and age, that honor, courage, and virtues mean everything. That's an irrational belief. Man, those three things are hard to find in today's world. That power and money are meaningless? Well, that's an irrational belief because, I mean, especially our capitalism country is all about money and power. We, you know, we quit jobs to go make more money and more money and more money or, or more power or, you know, and I've, I've seen people that are power hungry. I worked in the prison, and I was eligible for sergeant 18 months after I started, and I didn't go up on my first sergeant's board for seven years because I wanted to be sure that if I was a sergeant and I was in charge of people, I wanted to be sure that I knew what I was doing. And there was people that, like, 18 months in one day, they're going up for sergeant. And then you have to be a sergeant for one year before you can go up for lieutenant. And on 366 days, they're going up for lieutenant. Man, they just wanted to climb the ladder. That power and money are meaningless. That's an irrational belief. That good always triumphs over evil. Oh, we, we know ultimately that that will happen. But what about right now? Does good always triumph over evil? It's an irrational belief, maybe, to some people. <laughs> How about that one? True love never dies. You believe that? I don't know. There's no proof that any of these things are true. But that's the magic of believing, is that you don't have to have proof 
that they're true, to believe that they are. If your beliefs aren't irrational, mean, and when I mean irrational, it's like, you know, when somebody says, you know, do you believe this? And, and then you try to explain it. And, and I was on the phone with a friend last night, and, and they were telling me some of the things that they believe in. And, and like, it seemed like every fourth sentence they were saying, this is so hard to explain. This, I, it makes perfect sense in my mind, but when I try to say it out loud, it just seems to fall very, very short. So if your beliefs aren't irrational, meaning that they're very hard to explain to people, I don't think maybe your beliefs are big enough. And, and really, are your beliefs big enough? Are your beliefs big enough? Or do we just have like this shallow, uh, very low foundation of belief and we just stop there? Well, one of the things that I think is worth believing in is the power of prayer. Is the power of prayer. Do you believe, and I'm just asking a question, do you believe that God answers every single prayer despite what Garth Brooks says? Okay? We are not talking about Garth Brooks' theology right now, and we all love the song, right? We all love the song, Unanswered Prayers. But do you believe that God answers each and every prayer? Um, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. That's kind of a tough one, isn't it? Because I'm sure that you've had a prayer that you didn't think was answered. But does God answer each and every prayer? Well, you know, just because Jesus says this, that I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. He didn't say the next day. He didn't say in 10 minutes. You know, I, I've, known, I've known women that prayed for the salvation of their husbands for 30 years before it happened. And they never, ever, ever gave up on that. That prayer was answered, but it wasn't answered that day. And it wasn't answered the next day or the next day. And, and I come to think of this kind of in the sense that if you can't pray for something for 30 years, does it really mean anything to you? Because I guarantee you, I've prayed for things like twice and forgot even what I was praying for, right? If you can't pray for something for, I mean, if it is not constantly on your mind each and every day, is it really something that God needs to answer when you don't even remember what it is? I think that our prayers, I heard this one time, I didn't come up with this. It'll make me sound smart, but it wasn't me. I think our prayers should be so big that if they come true, it's without a doubt it was God that did it. Pray prayers so big that only God can do it. Because I think that a lot of times we pray for something, and we pray for it, and it comes true. But then you start thinking, well, was this just coincidence? Was it going to happen anyway? Did God answer that? Those are small prayers. Pray big prayers so that when God, if and when God answers that, you will know it's Him. I think that's something worth believing in. You know, I think, personally, that the greatest answer God has ever given me was no. And I think that there's only two reasons that God would answer with no. 
So whenever I was just becoming a pastor in Texas, I worked for an oil field company, great job. And I put together this whole proposal and sent it to the, the owner of the company because I did a lot of the inventory stuff. And I was asking to work from home for two days a week because when you're changing prices and you're getting into all of this and then you're also doing inside sales, it just took forever to get anything done. And so I put together this whole proposal. Sent it to him. Didn't hear anything for like six weeks. And finally, I get a phone call on my cell phone. Not, not at the store. On my cell phone. And it's the owner. He said, what are you doing Thursday night? I said, I don't know. He said, pick me up in Fort Stockton. I'm going to have my plane fly me down there, and I want to have, lunch. I want to have supper with you based upon your proposal. I was like, boom, baby. Good. I mean, the owner's not going to fly in his plane from Abilene, Texas to Fort Stockton, Texas to tell me that your idea stinks, right? So I go and I pick him up at the airport and we go to a Mexican food restaurant and we sit down and he pulls out his little reading glasses and he opens up my proposal that was laminated, by the way. Right? And it is marked up. I mean, it's got exclamation points. It's got big X's on it and all of this stuff. And it's like a 10-page proposal. And he said, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you that I've been waiting on somebody to do this right here. He said, I've been waiting. As long as I've owned this company, this is what I've been waiting on. Boom. And he said, so you're probably wondering why I flew down here to tell you that I loved it. I said, okay, yeah, kind of. And he said, I flew down here to tell you that I loved it, and I loved it so much that I hired somebody to do it from home full time. And he said, I came down here to make sure you wasn't going to quit because of it. You took my store in Odessa, Texas from 150000 a month gross to 900000 a month gross. He goes, the customers love you. He said, you were more valuable to me there than doing this. He said, I don't want you to quit. And I said, well, I'll tell you this. As long as I take your money, I'll do what you tell me to do where you tell me to do it. That's all I said. I didn't say I wasn't going to quit. So on the way home, I called Lovey, and she was waiting on hand, you know, just like, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? I said, he loved it. This was really a turning point in my life, and it came through her. I said, he loved it. She goes, oh, I am so happy for you. I know how hard you worked. And she goes, is he going to let you have the two days working from home? And I said, no, he hired somebody to do it full time from home. And there was just dead silence. And then she said this. She said, if God said no, that means that he's got something bigger planned for you. And you know what? That turned out to be the most true statement in the world. Because I kind of believe that if I would have got that, I would have been very content, and I may still be in Fort Stockton, Texas 
today. I may still be in Fort Stockton, Texas today. But see, God had a better plan. And, and I think that, that when, you, when God says no, He's only going to say no for two reasons. Number one, because He's got something better planned for you. And number two, He's never going to answer a prayer that He knows is going to take you further away from Him. Right? And I mean, it may seem like the biggest and best thing ever, and you've been praying about it, but guys, He's going to say no no matter how good, no matter how much you pray, if God knows, and He knows, that if He answers that, that ultimately it will take you further away from Him, He's going to say no every time. What do you think are the things worth believing in? That people are basically good? That honor, courage, and virtues mean everything? That power and money are meaningless? That good always triumphs over evil and that true love never dies? And that God answers every prayer despite what Garth Brooks says? Because sometimes he says no. And I think that those are the most powerful unanswered prayers. Because when he says no, he's guiding you, not doing what you want. And finally, what are some things worth believing in? And believe it or not, I think this one, when I tell you what it is, you're going to say, I, I believe that. But I'm going to challenge you, like, do you? Do you really believe it? And that is, I think, something worth believing in is God's love for us. Not our love for God, but God's love for us. Because I think people naturally say they love God. But when you ask them, how much do you realize that God loves you? They start to stutter and stammer. I mean, they know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, you know, you know and all that stuff. And I'm, that's fine. But do you believe that God loves you unconditionally and with a power that you cannot understand? I mean, is that what you believe? That if you were the only person on earth, God would still love you with the same might and the same power that He loves you right now. Do you realize that God is not mad at you? Think about that. How many times have we felt foolish and felt like God's not going to love us anymore because of something we did? Listen, I'm here to tell you, if you're a, if you're a believer in Christ and you have given Him your heart and your life, God is not mad at you. God loves you. Now, I'm not saying that we don't do things that God was like, Oh my gosh, Kevin, not again. You know what I mean? But he's not mad at us. He loves us. Do you believe that God wants the best for you? I, I mean, I would like to think that we would all say yes. But what happens when the best for you is not what you want? Now it gets a little stickier. But we have to believe that God loves us more than we can ever, ever understand and that God is not mad at us. He loves us. And that God does want what is best for you. And let me answer the, that. What is best for you is God. Plain and simple. He wants to bring you into His presence so that He can love 
and care for and all of this stuff. And he wanted that so bad that he allowed his son to be the final sacrifice for the sole purpose of bringing you into his presence. That's love. And God's not mad at you. God wants what is best for you. And God has never left you. God has never left you. And, I, and, and if you're like me, you've tested that theory. And you've run like hell sometimes. In the opposite direction. Away from who you want, excuse me, who God wants you to be, the things He wants you to do. Every single one of us at some point in our lives have turned tail and just said, no, I'm going to do it my way. But I don't think God left us. I think He was just patient with us. Hoping that just like the prodigal son, that we would return. Even though He's still there, that we would return. You believe in God's love. That He's not mad at you. That He wants what is best for you. That He's never going to leave you or forsake you. And you know what? God doesn't cause bad things to happen. And that really breaks my heart sometimes when a tragedy or something like that happens and people say, well, there must have been a reason for that. And that's inferring that God causes problems. You know, th this world is a sinful world, you know. And I just think that God does not cause bad things to happen, but that doesn't mean He can't use bad things to teach us a lesson, to help others, or to bring glory to Himself. In Romans 8.37, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you ladies will like this also. I think so. But you guys, <laughs> this is cool stuff right here. This is cool stuff. Romans 8.37. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And think about that, guys. I mean, what does it mean to conquer? I mean, that means to win, right? To win the day. Defeat our enemies. But yet, the Holy Spirit through Paul right there says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. You will never grow as a Christian, beyond the point that you understand God's love for you, His unconditional love, that He will never leave us nor forsake us. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. When do you think things are worth believing in? Believing differently than the world does? like morals and values and honor and true love, just to name a few. Are those things worth believing in? What about, is prayer something to believe in? The power of prayer, even when the answer is no? Is that worth believing in? Is it worth believing that God loves us more than we can even ever, 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 ever fathom? I think that's worth believing in. But you know, in Secondhand Lions, disclaimer, <laughs> fixing to give it away, 
Deal with it. We never get to hear the rest of Hub's speech. To the point that even though I was paying attention, I went and Googled it thinking that I'd missed it. But no, we never get to hear the rest of Hub's speech. And at first I was really disappointed because, I mean, I thought the first part was magnificent. So where's the rest of it? At first I was disappointed that we didn't get to hear the rest of Hub's speech about what it means to be a man, what it means to, to stand up for something that you believe in. But after I thought about it for a while, I thought it was brilliant that we didn't get to hear the rest of Hub's speech. Because maybe there was no second part. Because sometimes we just have to figure out things on our own. We just have to live our lives. We each have to live our own lives with our own personal beliefs that lead us towards Jesus every single day. Every single day. Maybe it's good that there wasn't a second part. Because maybe the second part is traveling that narrow trail with Jesus in, in your trail. While, they, while I believe all trails lead to the same thing, we are all going to experience different difficulties, different tragedies, and uh, different blessings and stuff like that. So in a way, it's like there's not a second part to that because we have to walk that with Christ. And what a better ending to a speech than reaching that narrow gate and hearing God say, well done, my good and faithful servant.